Welcome. My name is Lauren Hawker-Saffer and as your podcast host today on Redefining AI, I welcome you warmly to our podcast series and this exciting episode. Redefining AI is a podcast hosted by the Squirrel Academy. The podcast focuses on key narratives and discussions that drive digital innovation and help people understand artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive search, insight engines, and the insights era. As a Gartner-listed visionary, Squirrel is a pivotal player in the field of emerging technology, bringing purpose to all data. In this particular episode on an enterprise knowledge view of knowledge management, we've got the great pleasure of hosting a widely recognized industry expert, a successful CEO, a board member, chairman, and fellow podcast host, Zachary Wall. Zachary, or Zach, because we're going to be addressing him throughout the podcast, is the CEO and president of Enterprise Knowledge, a services firm that integrates knowledge management, information management, information technology, and agile approaches to deliver comprehensive solutions. Now, this is our first time hosting Zach, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation and to learning more about knowledge management and what knowledge Zach himself has acquired over the last year hosting a number one knowledge management podcast, Knowledge Cast. Welcome, Zach. Hey, Lauren. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, in my introduction, I've obviously spotlighted many of the varying <laughs> roles that you embody, but I'm sure that I've personally missed a few. I'd uh, really love to hear firsthand about the roles that you personally identify with most and how you've ended up here with over almost, I think, 20 years of uh, experience in the knowledge and information management space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going on 25, actually, a quarter wow. century of knowledge management. So um, again, thank you for having me and thanks for the introduction. I think you covered the main bases, but I guess I would add uh, co-founder uh, of, of EK. Uh, we are the world's largest dedicated knowledge management consultancy at this point. And through the entire experience what I've tried to do, and, and really the reason that we started Enterprise Knowledge in the first place, was to make KM practical, to make it actionable. And what I mean by that is uh, knowledge management as a field has historically been really academic. It's been very much big ideas and, and grand thoughts without enough business value, clear return on investment. And so our driving force in founding the company and our success in growing it has really been based around that idea of ensuring that knowledge management offers business value, that it solves real business problems. Excellent. I mean, it sounds impressive. You've sort of mentioned, obviously, that you've been in the field for up to coming up for 25 years and that you've achieved um, a lot. And that you're striving for this this practicality. I mean, I think that it's personally obviously like to start by complimenting the company name. <laughs> so enterprise <laughs> knowledge, it certainly radiates a, a strength and an immediate connotation of influence. Uh, how do you personally identify with the name after I believe almost nine years is it at the company? 
Yeah. It, yep. Founded in 2013, which is astounding. It feels like it was yesterday. Uh, so we were initially going to call the company Knowledge Performance. And that would have been pretty self-explanatory as well. The idea that the, the company would help organizations ensure that the information that they had, the knowledge they had, the content they had, whatever you wanted to call it, really worked for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, we felt that that wasn't grand enough in scope. As you say, enterprise knowledge feels big. And that's really what the field is and should be. And so the reason that we named it enterprise knowledge was to express the fact that really there's nothing in an organization that KM shouldn't touch if done correctly. And I think that's really how it's come across. What's funny is that we're now seeing, we're having clients or potential clients call us and they're introducing themselves as the head of enterprise knowledge within their organization. So we were clearly a little bit prophetic in, in naming the organization. It's a title that's kind of caught on. And of course, in the knowledge graph space, there's now a trend around enterprise knowledge graphs. So we've we've seen this term sort of catch up with the name of our company in, in a few different places. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, the word knowledge, I mean, the contemplation of calling it maybe prior to how you've called it just now, knowledge performance, you say that there's this sort of self-explanatory interpretable component with, with that title. Yeah. But I mean, the word knowledge, be it knowledge performance, be it um, knowledge enterprise, and obviously the, the pertinence that it's playing in corporations today, as you're mentioning, it, it, it has central importance in a multitude of elements throughout your business, your services, the areas that you operate in. I mean, you spoke there briefly and said that there's this self-explanatory component to it, but what should we as an audience understand by the word knowledge in this context? Sure. So there is a lot of conversation around different definitions of knowledge management as a field and knowledge as a term. And the most common is to say that knowledge is information plus context plus expertise. But I would prefer to encourage our listeners to think about knowledge or the field of knowledge management as being the connectedness of all of an organization's stuff. So I apologize for using this very technical term of stuff, <laughs> uh, but I think it really fits what we're what we're talking about here, which is every organization has different combinations of stuff. Some have a great deal of tacit knowledge, that, that being people expertise, the stuff that's in people's heads. Uh, others focus largely around unstructured content, their files and documents and emails and various records. Still others focus more heavily on data, structured information, those in rows and columns and applications. But most organizations have all of those things, and they've got a mishmash of it, different types of content in different places. And for me and for enterprise knowledge, the, the real concept of knowledge management is connecting all of that, bringing it all together so that any end user of the organization has that connected experience that they can get a complete answer to their question, that they can get a complete guidance for their mission. And that only happens when they see the entire world of stuff that's available to them for them to be able to act upon. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that this connected experience is then possible then, or, or you wouldn't be here, I imagine. It's absolutely possible. It's not easy. Um, 
depending on the state of an organization's content or stuff uh, to begin with, it can be a long road. It's not as simple as just creating a, a, a installing a search tool and having everything indexed. It's about applying the appropriate metadata to that content to ensuring the content is clean so that it's actually good when somebody finds it and, and ensuring that it is consistent in the direction and guidance and learning that it's offering. So there's a huge amount of work to create that connected experience. And for many organizations, it's the journey, not the destination, meaning that an organization will never complete this job of connecting all their stuff, but they can trend towards better and better and better, more mature knowledge management. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to look at from the concept of a journey. And I mean, if we're taking it from a corporate perspective and fitting into a landscape and being part of a journey, how much relevance is being placed on that journey and creating this connected experience and the, the area of managing knowledge? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of organizations make a couple mistakes here. One is that they focus too much on the technology. And and two, to your point, they focus too much on a very solid end state of saying, we will get to this point where all of our content is just in these systems, and it's all indexed, and you can do these three things with it. But that misses a few key points. One is the organization is always in flux. Two is there's always a new source of content, a new source of materials. And three is uh, each individual user has different needs and different styles of learning and acting and deciding, and all of that needs to come into play. And so we're a big fan of agile principles, being flexible, being iterative in how we do this. That's why I use the word journey. A lot of times we'll get down a path of a transformation with an organization And we'll realize that some of their goals were wrong or have changed, or some of our assumptions or guidance uh, doesn't actually fit the model. And so picturing that roadmap, picturing that journey, going a little ways and then testing, testing our assumptions, asking questions, is this doing what we wanted it to do, is very much the right model for a broad KM or digital transformation. It's also the right approach for incremental value, meaning that if we can go a little ways, we're testing an assumption, but we're also potentially showing business value. And that keeps people engaged, that keeps people interested, that helps quash the concerns of the skeptics by proving that we can actually do something good for them. Okay, I mean, you've touched upon a lot of things that I think that I would have questioned myself, that I'm working with the corporations and you're taking it from an approach of offering this agility and, and flexibility and also maybe realigning your own assumptions throughout the journey with the corporation. Mm-hmm. You must have also experienced with the wealth of experience that you've had that maybe certain businesses, industries or business leaders, they also have preconceptions, assumptions when they're going into this journey with you, how have you experienced that and what have you found there? 
Sure. Well, so there, there are a number. The first is just in going back to the definition of knowledge management. When we talk about knowledge management, as I already described, we're talking about this very broad enterprise view of all of an organization's stuff. We look at the people, process, content, culture, and technology all holistically, but also recognizing that there are, are, are different themes in all five of those different elements. So for us, the first thing to do is just to ensure that wherever we're going to do work, the leaders of, of those organizations, the stakeholders of those organizations have the same definition of KM as we do. Sometimes it's much more limited to just being about unstructured content. Sometimes it's much more limited to just being about findability of content, improving how content can be used or reused or accessed by the right people. And so even within a single organization, we often see that there are many different definitions of KM floating around. So one of our first jobs is always to, to make sure that, that all of the stakeholders are aligned in what KM is and also agreeing upon what they want to get out of it, what the value for them of going through whatever the initiative is. And from that point forward, the second big alignment is, is how to solve that. And a lot of times, it's not a single answer. I mean, very much when we talk about enterprise knowledge, again, to go back to the name of the company, when we talk about a knowledge management transformation, it's pulling on a million different strings in a coordinated fashion to achieve the results that you want. Uh, it's not just about putting a search tool in or putting a content management tool in. As I said, it's potentially about uh, centralizing some content, but leaving other content where it is, cleaning up some content, but archiving some other content, uh, encouraging folks to generate new content in different ways through communities of practice and, and different innovative knowledge capture mechanisms, uh, sharing their own expertise through uh, the, a people finder or expert finder. There's a million different strings to pull. And so creating that uh, tapestry, if you will, of all of the different solutions in a cohesive way is, is really what we're talking about. The trick with that is that it's highly complex and it opens up the uh, overall initiative to, to being confused. If we're not very clear about all of the different things that go into this and why they're all valuable, things can quickly fall out of alignment or get confused. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly imagine that it can, uh, talking from also having personal experience in, in content development and content management, I think that's quite often underestimated the complexity of working with content in various silos, yet structured manners, unstructured manners, and also just the complexity and, and the sheer amount of content and what you have to deal with and trying to separate and, and manage that itself as well. Um, you spoke about maybe the value that, that business leaders want to find with this, what sort of value are they looking for? Yeah. So this is where I, I always like to separate the idea of knowledge management value versus business value or knowledge management outcomes and business outcomes. I think too frequently in my field, practitioners are talking about the KM outcomes. A KM outcome would be that people are, finding more information or reusing more information. Uh, a KM outcome would be that people are connecting to other folks within the organization. Those are great things, right? There's not a CEO on the planet that wouldn't say, yes, I want those things to happen. But by leaving 
the conversation in those terms, it fails to arrive at hard return on investment at dollars and cents, so to speak. So the goal is to translate those KM outcomes into business outcomes. And there we talk about a few really key ones. Uh, The first, especially in today's job market, is about employee satisfaction and thereby retention. So a good KM program means that we're onboarding people more effectively, we're upskilling them, helping them learn more effectively, and we're creating a network for them within the organization that they can learn from, that they can uh, be supported by. Those things translate to the employees staying with the organization because they're learning, because they see a path up, because they feel supported, because they feel part of the community. So all of that leads to employee retention. And there's a real uh, uh, return, uh, cost avoided from having to go hire somebody else, uh, having to replace that person, having the, the business break because they're taking their knowledge with them. All of those things turn into hard ROI. Happy customer, uh, happy employees also lead to happy customers, right? If the business is performing more effectively, more cohesively, that means that you're retaining your customers, whether they're calling a help desk and getting a better, more complete, faster answer, or whether they just feel the organization is more uh, consistent in how they're being served. What that translates to is that you're keeping more of your customers as well. There's a big uh, business value to that. But then we can also think in terms of innovation. If we are connecting all of the knowledge of an organization, if we're connecting all of the people within an organization, and if we're giving them mechanisms to not just do their job, but also to learn from each other, then we're leading to innovation. And with innovation comes competitive advantage, uh, comes the opportunity to generate potentially a new Uh, milestone product or offering or solution or service for the organization. And those things, of course, again, lead to real hard ROI. So those are just a a few of the examples, but that's the idea, right? That whatever the goal of the organization is, great, let's talk about knowledge management and how cool it is, but let's also take that next step and ensure that we are providing that very clear justification and story of how it can benefit the business. I mean, two of those things that you've touched upon, employee retention, employee satisfaction, ensuring that if employees are satisfied through all of the initiatives and processes, the inspirational activities that are put in place to make sure that people are kept, that knowledge is kept within the company um, and they're satisfied. And then that turns into happy customers. You then spoke about innovation and that would potentially lead us to believe that in the component of innovation not always but there's an inclusion of technology and we know that humans and technology play quite a large part in what you're achieving and what you're doing as well how do you see that track in that frame what role do humans play and what role does technology play and what you're trying to attempt um, and what you are achieving? I mean, I've always been really curious about the power balance of those two. Yeah. So this goes back to those five elements of KM that I mentioned, people, process, content, culture, and 
technology. So we very purposefully list technology last, not because it's not critical, but because it only works if you do the other four things right. So I define technology as the enabling factor for a good KM program. In most cases, you need it. The technology has to be there, but it is only worthwhile to go and buy the fancy new tool if you've done all the other four things first. In other words, again, you've got a great search product. There's no point in putting that search product in place if it's just going to be indexing a bunch of old, stale, outdated, obsolete content, or if it's just going to be profiling uh, empty people profiles that wouldn't return any meaningful results, or if it's just going to be returning a bunch of non-tagged content without context that people can't actually make decisions against. So technology is great. It's, as, as we say, it's what makes KM clickable, what makes it real for the average business user. But it's gotta, you got to do all the foundational stuff first in order to make it sync. Interesting. And do you have a, a secret weapon at enterprise knowledge? Oh, we do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's our people. I mean, it, you, you can have all the great methodologies. And we've got a proprietary benchmark we're really proud of. We've got incredible exercises that we've refined over our years in business. But at the end of the day, the thing that makes EK what it is, is, is our team. Uh, the individuals that are as passionate as it, I hope it's coming across, I am about this, who are as expert, if not more, than I am, and have the ability to make knowledge management real and profound for the organizations with whom we work. Uh, one of our guiding principles is about partnership. And what we mean by that is partnering with our clients, not just going in and advising them and collecting a paycheck, but really embedding, becoming a part of the organization and, and taking that journey that we talked about with them. And the reason we've been so successful that we've grown so quickly, Inc. 5,000 the last four years in a row, sure, the knowledge management market is hot and we've seized upon that, but it's because we've kept all of our clients because they keep coming back and asking us to do more with them. It's that partnership. That's our secret weapon. Excellent. I guess it's not secret anymore. There you go. It's not. It's obviously we've just uh, we've just taken the hood off. It's not secret anymore. Um, I mean, success. It's always a, a nice thread to to stick to. Um, let me stick to that thread and maybe please spotlight on another component of success that you've had with enterprise knowledge. And this is uh, your podcast. So your podcast yeah. is Knowledge Cast, and you've been very successful. I mean, I understood. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit more what is Knowledge Cast and why did you start it? Yeah, so it's, uh, I guess, a little bit over a year old at this point. Uh, it got ranked as the, the number one KM podcast in the world. We're really proud of it. Uh, it started, not it, it wasn't my idea. Uh, one of, uh, actually a relatively new employee of UK, uh, came to me with the idea. And I was skeptical at first. I was like, podcasts, isn't that sort of, I don't know, early 2000s? Are people still doing these things? Like, 
I don't know, do I, do I have a voice that people want to listen to for 45 to 60 minutes at a time? Uh, how much time is this going to take? Are we really going to get people to be on it? Oh, I was not enthused, Warren. Uh, but as I've always tried to encourage and the behavior that we've always tried to model at EK is to experiment, to try things, even if we're not 100% convinced they will work. So I sort of shrugged my shoulders and I said, okay, you know, run with it. Let's give it a shot. I'll be your host and we can, we can see if it works. And we did one or two and I started getting the hang of it. And we started attracting some really interesting and exciting guests to the show. And at this point, it's really taken off. So it's a great example of where one of the elements of, of KM can be listening to that minority opinion, not just doing what the boss says, but ensuring that all employees are empowered to use the word again, to innovate, to try new things and are rewarded when they work, but also rewarded when they fail, right? Uh, we learn from our failures. Healthy, smart organizations learn from their failures. They document them. They figure out why something failed in order to do it better the next time. And so for all of this, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it, not just because it's been successful, but because it wasn't my idea and I was actually a little against it at first. So that's a great example of good KM within the organization. No, very much so. I mean, firstly, congratulations. And obviously it's nice to see that you're um, taking an exemplary approach to showing behaviour that can be embodied to bring success within corporations and organisations that brings about growth um, and shows a little bit of what's involved in change management and taking an organisation to a more positive place with failures and successes. Um, you mentioned as well that you've had a lot of discussions and that you were personally involved as the host in the majority of those a lot of them involved quite prominent figures in key knowledge man management positions. Um, and a lot of these were from what I've heard myself uh, within large organizations. And many of them worked with leading, um, leading large uh, sort of projects with dispersed workforces. And 2021 was quite a turbulent year for everyone globally yeah, to put it yeah. politely. In talking to, to all of these in a key year for fields like ours, um, where there is that question around the whole human centricity of employee retention, employee satisfaction, as you mentioned, of technology, of the acceleration of everything digital, and a lot of companies going into early digital transformations themselves and engaging companies like yourself to ensure that it does um, lead to success. What were your top takeaways from the podcast, if we maybe start with innovation? Sure. Well, so so first, let's say this. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. The COVID, the pandemic, everything has... Uh, shown a light upon the importance of, of KM. So if there's one big overarching takeaway, it's that uh, KM is very hot right now. It's very popular because all of these organizations that suddenly found themselves in a fully remote work stance 
or have even decided now that they're not going to return to the office, that they can uh, survive and potentially even flourish in a remote uh, work environment, uh, are realizing that getting by with shoddy KM will no longer suffice. Whereas an organization used to be able to kind of fake it by having somebody meet at the water cooler or poke their head over a cube and say, does anybody know where this is or who knows how to do this? Well, that doesn't work remotely. And so I think there's there's a really exciting time for knowledge management right now because all these organizations are realizing that, yes, this is a real thing. It needs real investment and it needs to be looked at cohesively. Now, if we move more specifically to your question of, of innovation, well, this is where we really get to talk about some of the exciting things that are happening in the space right now. I think that technology has now caught up with the KM field. So for years, we've been talking about this connected experience. We've been talking about bringing together all of the things that an organization has, all of its assets, its content, its its data, its people, its mm-hmm. products into a web into a highly contextualized set of relationships where somebody can find one thing and then traverse it to find others where they can look at it all together and decide whether they want to go an inch deep or a mile deep where they can effectively choose their own adventure of how they want to discover uh, the organization's knowledge, learn, act, perform. These have been concepts, frankly, I've been talking about for a quarter century, Uh, but only in the last few years has the technology arrived at a place where these things are realistic. Uh, enterprise knowledge graphs are playing a really major role in this. The idea that an ontology design can effectively map all of an organization's knowledge, all of the ways that, that people talk about things and ask for them, where machine learning and natural language processing can make it so... Uh, just like you're asking Alexa or Siri a question, an organization can build that internally through their own search, through their own technologies and tools, where increasingly an organization can do business fully digitally or mostly digitally and capture not just the end product, but the path to that product. So here we're talking about not just the, the, the finished result, but what assumptions went into it? Who collaborated on it? What were the sources of information that went into producing something? Because it's that background, that knowledge that allows that, that information to, to really continue to be valuable over its lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that you've touched upon that I find that we also find quite interesting here at Squirrel. Um, is it is claimed by a lot of individuals in the field that knowledge graphs are going to be the next big thing in AI. It's mm-hmm. something that you touched upon there. And obviously it is uh, part of what you do very well um, at Enterprise Knowledge as well. Would you agree with that? And can you maybe just give us a couple of sentences around a definition as to how you would define what a knowledge graph is for everyone listening today? Sure. So in short, a knowledge graph is is a map of an organization's uh, information, the way that they do business and the way they talk about it. And it's it's based on relationships. So I can say, Zach works at enterprise knowledge. Enterprise knowledge is expert in 
knowledge management. And so we can infer through that relationship mapping that Zach is an expert in knowledge management. It's building that web of descriptive relationships in such a way that all of an organization's stuff, all of its content, all of its data, all of its people, all of its products, all of its stuff can be mapped against it and thereby traversed. The old way of organizing information, folders within folders, taxonomies, hierarchies, all of them had a starting point and an end point, and that forced any user to think along those lines. But with a knowledge graph, with an ontology, if well-designed, there is no starting point. There is no ending point. It is like those books from my childhood. It's a choose-your-own-adventure book. You get to go in and look for information the way that your mind works, and the tool will help you discover additional information you didn't even know you were looking for. You didn't even uh, recognize as being valuable because it has enough of the right assets or traits that it will help to complete the mission. And, and that's where the AI piece comes in. It's going to start recommending things or pushing content, pushing information that it recognizes can help you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds fascinating and it's certainly something it's that cool. is being worked upon, but there must be uh, specific challenges that come with it as well or limitations. Well, sure. I mean, there's still the technology still getting there, but it's, it's, it's largely there. Um, the challenge is in many ways what it always has been, uh, which is uh, organizations are investing in the technology and need to understand that they need to put even greater investment into the design. Uh, the idea of an ontology is highly complex. It is not something that just happens. And so that mapping of knowledge, these tools are only as good as the relationships that the human has helped the tool recognize. So it's that piece that is absolutely critical. Uh, and you know, you asked the question earlier about human centricity. What this comes down to very plainly, very simply, is that computers in, in these ways will still only think about what the human tells them to. Yeah, that was going to so, be my next question. I mean, do you yeah. still see the necessity of the support and the input to create this ontology by a human? Oh, 100%. Uh, and, and that's really where the, the KM services come in. Uh, through our processes, we can help an organization think through all of the questions that they want to be answerable. But it's that thought process. What questions do we want to be able to ask? What questions do we want the tools to be able to answer? What relationships do we want the tool to be able to discover? What complexities do we want the tool to be able to simplify? The human has to facilitate those early thought processes to be able to architect us in such a way that the tool or the system actually does what we want it to do. Mm. And that might go away at some point, but I don't see how. We're, this is where we are for a while. Do you think it requires a specific skill set that a certain human with a certain skill set is better at doing this than others? Yeah, I mean, of course. I, I think that pretty much anything, uh, there are some people that, that have the, the natural proclivities to, to do it better. Um, we teach it. We teach people how to uh, design ontologies. In fact, we have a whole internal knowledge graph university that we use to upskill our own employees. 
But there are, of course, kind of earlier natural traits that we look for people to have in order to be able to learn this. Uh, it takes a very analytical mind. It takes a very inquisitive mind. So we look for lifelong learners. It takes really good linguistic semantic skills. So we look for uh, natural communicators, people that are good writers that uh, can absorb a huge amount of information and process it effectively. And it also takes a fair bit of creativity uh, because at the end of the day, if we don't question assumptions or look for new patterns, if we only just show up to an organization and reinforce the way that they are already talking about things, then we're really not doing our job. A really good knowledge graph is going to discover new relationships and new ways to contextualize information. So to review, we're looking for great communicators that are effectively <laughs> lifelong learners and are super creative. So if you know anybody that matches that, if you know any unicorns, we're hiring. Yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. I was just thinking that it sounds like we're uh, putting out a job advertisement um, yeah. for this, the, the, these sort of unicorns or unicorn. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, today we've covered a myriad of angles that really offer so much more discovery potential. And um, I'm a little bit sad that we have to sort of usher our discussion to a close. I want to take the opportunity, though, Zach, just to. Um, firstly, thank you. And to ask if you would like to maybe share any parting advice or comments with the audience here today. Sure. Well, so first of all, Lauren, thanks for having me on. I, I hope this has been valuable for our listeners. I, I think where I would end is in a way where I began uh, to think about how KM can offer business value for your organizations. Uh, don't just show up and tell your boss that you're going to implement a knowledge graph or you're going to do a KM transformation. Show up with the stories of how it will change the organization, how it will offer business value. Paint the picture for the true returns for the organization. And if you can talk in terms of those business outcomes, then I can pretty much guarantee that these projects will get approved and will get yeses that's where it's at excellent yeah that's really good advice thank you um so i'd like to also thank you the listeners for listening today if you would like to find out more about squirrel and the insight engine then go to the squirrel academy on learn.squirrel.com and access our educational material <laughs>